NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. Welcome, listeners. This is a broadcast for NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. Today is September 5th, and tonight we're talking with colleagues associated with the Maryland Writing Project about their writing as making MOOC, otherwise known as WM MOOC. I'm your host, Christina Cantrell, and tonight I'm very pleased to welcome several guests. Um, let, let's go around and introduce ourselves. Um, Vicki, do you want to start? Sure. I'm Vicki McQuitty. I am the director of Maryland Writing Project, and I'm also a faculty member in the Department of Elementary Education at Towson University in Towson, Maryland. Great. Thanks. And Joe? I'm uh, Joe Runciman. I'm a doctoral student in the Instructional Technology Program at Towson University. Super. Stacy, we've got you on the line, too. Hi, I'm Stacy Shepard. I'm a former elementary school teacher. I'm now currently volunteering as a youth theater producer. Ah, oh, cool. And Sarah, go ahead. Hi, I'm Sarah Lonis Kutulik, uh, formerly a professor at Towson with these fine folks, and now I am at Middlebury College in Vermont as the director of digital pedagogy and media for the college. Wonderful. Well, I'm really excited to have a chance to talk to you all about this work. I um, have heard, uh, seen it on the interwebs and um, heard uh, Vicki and Sarah talk about it, but not really had a chance to dive into it at all. So I'm really excited to meet Joe and Stacy and to really have this chance to talk about um, how this work is evolving. Um, Vicki, I was wondering, as the director of the Maryland Writing Project, maybe we can start, you can kick us off here. So tell us, what is WM MOOC, and how does it support the goals of your writing project site and the larger community? Well, WM MOOC is writing, making, massive online collaboration. It's a mouthful. But mm -hmm. it's an online professional learning experience for teachers. And we invited teachers all the way from preschool teachers through college instructors. And it really focused on digital composing and specifically the idea that writing is a form of making, in this case, digital making. You know, we haven't always thought about writing as a form of making, yeah. but there's so many parallels between making an object and making writing, especially when we think about composing multimedia or, or multimodal and digital text. Um, there's a design element to writing, just like there is to making. There's a trying it out or prototyping phase, which we call drafting. Um, really, we build writing with words or with words and images or even sound effects if we're doing multimodal writing, just like we build an object. The materials are different, but the process is really similar. And the values of making and writing, I think, are also similar in a lot of ways. Um, I think for in both, we value playing and risk-taking. We value learning from our failures, or what I like to call our non-successes. Uh, we value sharing what we create and building a sense of community and supporting each other. Um, both writing and making value using our creations to try to do good in the world. So writing and making have so many similarities that writing as making, it, it just makes a lot of sense. Oh, that's great. Thanks for uh, sharing that with us. And um, can you, and so 
you were um, working on this with a larger team of teachers at your site, right? Yes, so um, Stacy is a teacher leader at our site and she was one of the people who uh, participated in it and then also helped us to facilitate it. So um, Stacy, maybe you could say a little bit more about, you know, how it was organized and, you know, exactly what we did with it. Well, from the participants experience, the way they looked at the course, it was a series of six makes. So they were, it, it was a general guideline that you could go through one make per week for six weeks. And that's the way I did it when I first took the course. That's the way a lot of participants did it when I helped facilitate the course. But that wasn't the rule. You didn't have to do it that way. So it, it really helped for teachers being busy people, uh, participants in this course, it really helped that it was flexible. So you could go through it one at a time in order, or you could skip around. And there were a lot of people who did that. And it wasn't unusual on our Google Plus community where we were having our discussions to see somebody post, you know, that they did number one and then they did number six. And right next to a whole bunch of other number ones, there might be like a number three. And what I mean by those numbers would be they did the assignment from make cycle six or make cycle three. Um, and a lot of times people would go back and redo as well. And they would say, I'm, I'm revisiting what I did in make cycle one. I think I, I can do it better this time. So they were posting different, um, different makes that they were creating as they were learning a little bit more. They could expand on those makes. As you're talking about the flexibility, it, it makes me think about um, just how important flexibility is. Maryland Writing Project has really grappled with how to provide really powerful and relevant PD for teachers that fits their busy schedules. People are just so busy and teachers like having the online options because of the flexibility, but some online professional development, it doesn't seem like it really facilitates deep learning necessarily, or maybe it feels, it feels isolating for people. There isn't a sense of community. So we really wanted to design something that fits with writing project core values, including you know, writing, collaborating, sharing our teaching practice, advocating, and the connected learning framework that we use to design WMOOC really allowed for, um, for the experience to encompass those values better than a more traditional form of online learning would have. So um, Sarah is sort of our guru about connected learning. So Sarah, maybe you could talk a little bit about connected learning as a design framework. Sure. I think uh, before I dive into that, I just want to paint too a little bit more of a picture for the listeners as to what um, the writing is making MOOC actually was to sort of picture how participants moved through it. We um, had a platform, edX, maybe some of you have heard of it. It's a, it's a MOOC platform, but it's very much like a sort of a content management system. And that's where the make cycles live. So a participant would log on to, um, to our edX site and to access information um, around um, each make cycle. And then much of the actual sharing of makes and reflecting on makes and communicating and supporting uh, one another around the makes happened on a Google Plus community site that we created. So outside of edX, outside of the sort of password protected content management system, um, we really encouraged participants to share and reflect in order to help build that community 
Um, we also hosted some Twitter chats as well. And so I mentioned these uh, partially to paint a picture of what participation in WMLOOC was like, but it also uh, gets a little bit at, at this design framework that we use, connected learning, in which connecting is really important. And so we really focused on four design principles that connected learning suggests. Everyone can participate, learning by doing, challenge is constant, and everything is interconnected. And we implemented these principles throughout our design of the MOOC. So, for example, uh, for the principle everyone can participate, we built in choices for how to engage with the content and the technology. So each make cycle has several options for how to engage with differing levels of complexity in terms of both the, the digital writing task. So for example, one of our make cycles is poetry hacking, and you could um, do poetry hacking uh, in a variety of ways. Um, one way would be to use, um, you know, good old sort of paper and pencil and create a found poem using um, um, text from your environment. Another way might be to do a similar sort of um, approach with a found poem, but to, to put it together in Padlet, uh, which is an, uh, an online um, sort of a, a free online tool. And then uh, another option was to annotate an existing poem using a website called SingLink. So these had various levels of complexity in terms of the technologies, no technology, in fact, all the way to um, a slightly more complex technology, and then also options for how you would do poetry hacking. Um, and so that was important. That's great. So that, that type of built-in. Um, for mm -hmm. by, yeah, I was gonna um, also say for learning by doing, um, um, really, that was, uh, again, also the core of the, the MOOC, which is, you know, a traditional MOOC, if you've ever seen one or taken one, it's a lot of talking head videos. So you might listen to an hour-long lecture and then maybe get to participate in a discussion with your fellow, um, per, you know, your fellow learners, potentially. So we had very brief introduction videos, and then we really invited participants to engage with the content through the process of making. And so those are just a, a few examples of how we um, really baked connected learning as a design framework into into the MOOC. That's great. That's really um, really does help um, build out you know what this looked like and sort of and and I can start to hear the design thinking. And then what I heard in Stacy's piece too was that there's the participants. Well, there must have been a sort of sense of agency to move through it how they wanted to move through it too, right? This sort of interest-driven ability to, and, and the flexibility that you designed allowed them to take different paths. Is that what I was hearing also? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay, so let's continue to build out this picture because this is a very interesting picture that you're building for us. And it is um, a different picture than I think that many people when they hear about MOOCs, you know, they have sort of a, there's become this traditional design that you referred to, Sarah, of these sort of talking head videos that you just do something that, that the talking head tells you to do. <laughs> and this sounds like a very different um, kind of design that you guys are developing. Um, and um, so I, so why don't we, what ha let's, let's sort of keep talking about what happened during CL, uh, uh, sorry, WM MOOC, and um, what, what are some of the ways that what was created there felt important to you all? One of the things that felt really important to me is that um, the WM MOOC was designed in a way that really honored uh, the values of our writing project work, which mm -hmm. was something that initially I was like, how would we do that online? Um, but 
just like we would do in, you know, a face-to-face -face summer institute, for example, um, the, the people who participated were making and writing and going through the writing making process themselves. They were giving each other feedback through, um, you know, posting to the Google Plus community and people would give each other, you know, comments about the makes. Um, they would, um, you know, we'd be sharing ideas about, you know, wow, I made this really interesting meme. Here's how I think it might work in my second grade classroom. Here's how I think it might work in my, you know, English class with my seniors in high school and having all of those conversations. So it really felt in many ways like the kinds of things that uh, we would do in a summer institute. Um, but we were doing it all online. And so that part was really exciting to me and that felt, um, that felt really important to me because it was extremely important to me that those values of collaborating and writing and sharing ideas, um, that we, we had that as part of this learning experience. And I was really uh, thrilled to see with how that worked online. Sarah, I think you had some other thoughts around that too. Yeah, I think, you know, um, we're talking about, um, you know, teacher professional learning experiences, right? And um, around technology, they can be particularly deadly. You may have experienced this yourself. Um, and that, you know, oftentimes um, teachers are just sort of taught about a tool or maybe, give, you know, ha extended the opportunity to play a little bit with a tool, but sort of decontextualized. So we, um, I, one of the things I think that's important and interesting about um, the writing is making MOOC is that we don't, we didn't, and we don't teach technology in a really pedantic way. So we don't offer instruction on how to use any of the technology tools that we suggest. Um, but rather, we provide a, a list of suggested tools, and it's not an exhaustive list. Um, they're just suggestions that might be useful for completing a particular make. And then we, we point to robust, already existing resources um, that, that can help participants learn how to use the tool and also give a sense of what types of resources are available to enable participants to become sort of self-sufficient technology users themselves. So I think that's really different than a lot of, um, again, a lot of professional learning centered around tech where teachers are told about the features of a tool, and maybe walk away without an understanding of the pedagogical context and implications of the tool or even having had the time to properly explore the technology. Stacy, did you have an example of that, I think? Um, I do. I, um, you know, as a participant, uh, we, we're asked to make, a, let's say, a comic strip or the, the poems we referenced earlier. Um, a lot of times, especially when it got to the comic strip or the um, another time we're asked to make a GIF, and, and some people resisted at first and say, uh, I really don't think that's going to fit into my curriculum, and I, I think my principal will frown upon that. And, and once they see on the online community other people and the way they're approaching it, um, for instance, you know, with the different options that Sarah mentioned that, you know, you don't have to pick one program over the other. Um, some people would, would get on the community and say, oh, if you are in this school district, it's free. You have that already on your computer. You might not have known it. Um, so that kind of communication really helped open up people's minds to what they could do. And once you started seeing that, you know, one person used a comic strip to teach alliteration, 
Um, another one did it for vocabulary development. Some people were using it for, instead of um, a specific skill like that, they were using it to approach some sort of um, social topic uh, and make some sort of relevant statement with it. And, you know, that was very appropriate for older students. So people started to see that, you know, even though it might seem like, oh, we're working on comic strips in the classroom or GIFs or anything else, that there were some deeper ways to use those tools to really not replace anything in the curriculum, but to actually enhance what you're doing in the curriculum. Um, it just took some fooling around with it, and, and in this class, we have the freedom to do that because it seems like you're playing and making, but you're, you're really doing much deeper than that, and I thought that was an um, enriching part of the course. Yeah, I think that's a really good point about um, helping people think maybe differently than they have in the past about digital writing. Sometimes I think when people hear like digital writing, they think about the technology first. So it's like, oh, I'm going to use this technology to do something. And they kind of start with the technology. But like Sarah was mentioning before, the way the uh, WMOOC was designed, we didn't start with the technology. We started with the composition, with the making. And then there were a whole list of different technologies that could help you do that. And so I agree with what you said, Stacey, that it really kind of led to like a a deeper kind of learning, which is something that I was really, um, really particularly interested in. Um, another thing that happened that really helped me think differently about composing in community was um, a participant who actually collaborated on some of the makes with his daughter. And so it was really cool to see how the sense of community got pushed even beyond um, our WMOOC community. It, it really made me think about how writing and making and this, you know, digital designing can bring people together in new ways. So I thought that was a really neat aspect of something that happened uh, for one of the participants that I think just pushed us all to, to think differently as well. Um. All right, that's a really exciting. Um, those are very exciting examples, all of them. And the the point about the connections to home, I feel like, is such an important part of connected learning. I find that in my own work, that the more I create the flexibility for people to bring their lives into the work, the deeper our work gets together, actually. Um, and it feels like an important part of of thinking about how do we support our students and being connected um, and bringing their, their lives in. Yeah, and we also, you know, built a, a research project around this because we really wanted to be able to, to dig deep into what was happening to understand it better and hopefully be able to, um, you know, to ultimately share out with people even more than what we're doing here. So Sarah, were you going to say something about that? Sure, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting. We're um, at the early stages of, of really um, analyzing data for the project, but I think that um, interest-driven learning is something that was um, important, at least anecdotally, was important to participants in, in, um, in the MOOC. So it's interesting that you, um, you know, made that connection, Christina. Yeah, so the, the research project that we built um, was using a design-based research approach. So we conjecture that, um, the design of the MOOC, in designing the MOOC, that ideas around open, connected teacher professional learning that, um, that, that really um, embodied choice, interest-driven learning, digital production, 
opportunities for reflection, um, risk-taking and that playfulness that Stacy mentioned, and connection to so social and other resources, that by sort of really embedding all of that into our design, we would see teachers who participated in the MOOC take ownership over their own learning, so that agency piece that I think was mentioned a bit earlier, um, that the, that the, um, the MOOC would be a safe space for this type of risk-taking, and that teachers would eventually adopt writing as making in their classroom. And so, again, we're still collecting um, lots and lots and lots of data around this, um, and we have some early findings, but um, I invite you all to stay tuned for more, and maybe we'll come back to talk about those results later. Yes, please do. That's exciting. Great. Cool. Um, yay. I'm glad you're doing that. That's really thrilling. And um, uh, I'd love to, to, to really hear how that, that evolves. So let's... Um, Let's make sure to, to talk about some of the nuts and bolts here, because I know that some of our colleagues are wondering, well, how did you make this happen? How do you make it work? How do you build it? You know, um, and you've given us really good um, examples of some of the ways that, like the conceptual design frame that you're using for this and the, and the, the intentions and what you're trying to build and what sort of happened. Um, but what were some of the structures you used to make it work also? Um, and I know with any building of structures, there's also challenges that come with that. So we'd love to hear about how this all worked. Yeah, so one of the really interesting aspects of creating WMOOC was getting it approved for continuing professional development credits. Um, like a lot of states, you know, Maryland um, has a process for getting courses approved so teachers can get um, CPD credits to continue their, their certification. But the, those credits are typically based on face hours um, and, and seat time and things like that. And that doesn't make sense at all within a connected learning framework. And it, we had a lot of conversations about how fitting it into the structure of trying to um, allow teachers to get this continuing professional development credit was pretty much the opposite of what we wanted to do. The structures they were asking us to use was not connected learning at all. And so we ended up having to do some workarounds. We estimated, so how long do we think each make would theoretically take and kind of add up those hours so we could fill out the paperwork and, and get it approved. It was, it was really challenging though to fit that with the you know learner driven production production centered philosophy um, you know and to try to put that into this more traditional CPD format that that the state required we got it done uh, but it was it was challenging and it wasn't it, it was not a natural fit at all and so uh, it really made us think a lot about how um, how challenging it is and what you have to do to really have deep relevant professional development but then fit it into the institutional structures that that teachers need because they need to get these credits um, in order to keep their certificates current so we had a lot of conversations about that and um, my suspicion is that as we you know, go back and dig into our data that we're probably going to have more to say about that because we know that that's a reality and we want to be able to share our experience so other people can have some ideas for how to grapple with it if they want to, um, you know, do something similar to what we did with WM MOOC. 
Um, there were also just some real nuts and bolts around building the course. And so um, Joe was our guru, our technical guru uh, for actually building the course. So Joe, maybe you can say some things about, you know, what that entailed. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, my background uh, is actually in web design development. So I led the charge uh, from this aspect. And since our course's intentions were not traditional, we're a hybrid of formal and informal online learning, uh, we needed the actual structure of the course, like all the pieces to reflect that. Um, so as uh, Sarah stated before, like we were using edX for the home base for where we delivered our instruction and had our introduction videos but this was only one piece of the whole puzzle. We needed our spaces for people to share and for them to, uh, to deliver their makes and then for everybody to discuss uh, you know, what they had done and comment on them. So we had to turn to uh, social media to try to get some more of the capabilities out of that. So then we had, um, as we mentioned, Google Plus as sort of the make bank where everybody was able to go in, view everybody's work, comment on each other's work and then we also used uh, Twitter so that we can hold uh, scheduled Twitter chats and that let us have at least you know some synchronous activity where we were able to have a live discussion about what happened during the week uh, so that gave us a lot more flexibility uh, it gave us more openness and let it let the learners uh, be more connected in the work they were doing um, but additionally there were some other challenges because again uh, since our base of operations was out of edX, it uh, handles more traditional online coursework. So it's usually stuff that is linear, uh, only really relies on video, text, uh, quiz questions, uh, stuff like that. We're doing <laughs> all sorts of things <laughs> that, that go beyond that. So um, the, some of the problems involved the, say, for example, the built-in navigation of edX, um, is again very linear it focuses on like what the main object is on any given lesson page so it's really deceptive um, potentially to learn it might be confusing uh, you know we wanted our learners to have you know the agency to go wherever they want in the course to work on what they want when they want so we can't be using a linear scheduled setup um, so I actually had to go in and as I like to put it I usurped their <laughs> their uh, actual setup and use their HTML editor to build a different navigation that changed the, the priorities uh, visually so the learners can see, oh, this is, uh, you know, our menu for going to the different make cycles. Oh, here are the items that'll get us out of edX and into the Google Plus community and link us right there. Um, this will take us right to the information we need so we understand you know, what we're doing when and when we have to finish by, what's expected of us, like in a resources section. So putting a lot of those things together did just require going beyond what we would usually uh, put together in edX with, you know, the features that are already included by default. Um, so just as we worked on these things and discussed how we would handle them, uh, we just, slowly built this list of just issues and concerns we had when it comes to this sort of online learning. We knew we had to go in a different direction and therefore we would also encourage providers like edX, Coursera, Udemy, um, 
if they want to attract teachers into running like online PD, online courses like this, uh, they really need to do two things. Um, first, the uh, interface has to be adjusted to be more user-friendly. Uh, we ran into like a number of situations where different features of the course actually required HTML code. And we know not everybody's just going to have that in their back pocket. Um, you know, we need this to be able to something you just throw together with a with the, uh, a good user interface. But also, um, teachers are going to want to present content that doesn't fall under typical MOOC activity, like I mentioned, the videos, discussion boards, and so on. You know, if they want to do some of the things like what we included, as of right now, you have to include other services or go elsewhere. And I mean, while it worked fine, um, we did even we did get some feedback that you know some people can get overwhelmed jumping between different programs or needing multiple sign-ins for things. So it would be nice if we could get it that something was a little more more all-purpose. But as it is now, yeah, we had to <laughs> make do with what we got, and we just like I said, got different services for what was appropriate for what we were trying to accomplish. And as you're saying that, Joe, I'm thinking some people may be thinking, so why did you even use edX at all? <laughs> Which is a really good question. But when you add this component about, you know, officially having people enrolled in a course that gives them this credit, we had to have a way to track people. Um, the social media things, people can kind of come in and out. But at the end of the day, we had to sign off that people had done certain things in order to get their CPD credit. So we, we needed edX to help us manage that. So it was just a very interesting, I don't know if we want to call it balance or just trying to bring together the more, um, you know, institutionalized formal learning with the connected learning, which is um, more learner driven. And so there were, that was just a real challenging aspect of this on, on many levels. Um, Stacy, you were a facilitator, you know, from your perspective, you know, what does it take to really facilitate um, a massive online, you know, collaboration like this? Well, I wasn't involved in any of that planning Joe just described, and I'm kind of glad because that's over my head with uh, technology. But, you know, as a participant and then as a facilitator, because I, you know, took the course in January and then facilitated it this summer, um, it really comes down to a lot of communication. And so when, um, as a participant, of course, I was really busy trying to get through each make and learn, uh, you know, this really steep uphill learning curve that I was on with so much different technology. Um, but as a facilitator, it was more of um, logging on a lot. I always had the tab for the Google Plus conversation open on my computer because I would log in and see who's got a question, um, comment on their work because nobody wants to post work and have it just be empty. We, you know, Vicki talked earlier to about the audience and how important it is to know that there's an audience for your writing. It's part of being social and communicating. So, you know, I wanted to make sure that somebody was looking at people's makes that they were posting and giving them some instant feedback. So it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't really any more time consuming than a person would find really being into social media. For me, I'm not really into social media, so it was a little bit more than I was used to, but it, it was um, important for the course that people had a constant conversation going. And then 
um, besides asking questions and, and commenting on people's works, it was also part of what I was doing was trying to get them to comment on each other's work um, so that they could see it more as a conversation in the community than just student to teacher conversation. Um, and so, you know, that's part of, you know, that any good teacher would do in the classroom is to say, oh, what did you think about what your classmate just said? That kind of thing, but it was on in the online kind of forum. One other thing that I think is, you know, important to acknowledge here is that we did have grant, grant funding from um, the School of Emerging Technologies at Towson University to support this work um, and it was a it was a two-year grant so all that design stuff that we've been talking about before the course even started you know we had money to support that work um, and you know it would have been really difficult to do it without that so I think it's important um, for people to know that we did have you know some financial support um, to, to get this done. I, I think you could do it without financial support, um, but it's definitely easier when we can, you know, get a graduate assistant like Joe who can, who can help us, you know, with HTML or, you know, if, if we hadn't had that, I might have given up. So, um, so I, I just think it's important for people to know that. That's great. Yeah. And we needed Joe on this radio show to even get our recording done. So, um, <laughs> so we're really thankful for that support. And um, I just want to say overall, these things that you all are describing, um, because I ex um, was working on um, uh, CL MOOC over the, the summers where we were developing that work several years ago, um, it's it's just so important to see you all taking the same care and thoughtfulness to design this within institutional structures and then to sort of really work on those so it's like such a huge contribution to the network that you've been tackling this because <laughs> it's you know clearly it's it's not an easy fit right like it's got it's got these pieces that that sort of don't mesh together all that obviously um so really appreciate both um like all the work that everybody's been doing to sort of figure out what this can look like and how it feels and still discovering what did you learn from it um as well as for Towson's support of you know making it like giving some seed funding for this to happen so kudos all around um wow so I am I'm really so I before we started the call I clarify with say so the, so it's run twice now right is that true yes. yeah okay, so once in the spring and then once in the summer mm -hmm. right um and I'd love for everybody to sort of just sort of you know we're near the end of the show so sort of talk about you know what are some of the key learnings and takeaway for you from this work um, as well as what you think you're seeing from your colleagues too. Well, for me personally, I just had not had great experiences with online learning before WMOOC. Mm -hmm. And so I was really hesitant and honestly a little bit skeptical about um, Maryland Writing <laughs> Project providing learning experiences online because of that. Yeah. And um, 
the only reason I really went along with it is because um, Sarah said, no, we can use this connected learning framework. It'll actually be great. And I was like, okay, I trust you. And so um, otherwise, I don't know that I would have, I think I would have been fearful to even try it. And so um, I think for me, the key learning just came from the feedback that we got from the participants. It was so convincing. Um, people just indicated how valuable it was as a learning experience for them. Um, they shared so many ideas about how they could use writing as making and digital composing with their students. And so I, I, I became convinced because of that. And so I guess really my key learning was how to create really effective online learning opportunities um, and ones that really fit with the values of writing project. and that don't, uh, you know, it, it doesn't, being online doesn't dilute the experience um, and doesn't dilute the powerful learning that, um, that, you know, I know we all value about writing projects. So that was really my main takeaway from all this. Yeah, that's powerful. Thanks. I think following on that idea um, as an educational technology uh, person by, by training and by trade, um, it was exciting for me to be able to put those connected learning principles into action in the design of the MOOC um, and in, in really intentionally push back on the embedded learning design assumptions of edX to create a social learning experience. So, you know, the tools that we choose to use um, are designed in certain ways and, sh and, you know, can really shape our interactions in certain ways. They're designed by people with particular assumptions. So, um, one of the exciting things for me was to be able to push back against um, uh, a tool like edX um, to use it where it was beneficial, for example, you know, in, 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 in um, shepherding some of that credit bearing institutional, um, you know, necessary pieces through the process. Um, but to um, push back on it to create this kind of social learning experience. So that was one thing for me. And then also um, to see those connected learning design principles really bear fruit in the type of learning community that's emerged during the MOOC and like others have alluded to um, during this conversation. Uh, and I really appreciated the way that the participants jumped into making, right? I mean, this is not probably the typical professional learning experience and maybe they didn't know what they were getting into when they signed up for it. Um, but they were really all into playing with and exploring the different technologies. And so in a lot of ways, that tells me that um, teacher voice and choice is a, a powerful element of meaningful teacher professional learning and that connected learning, you know, when done thoughtfully is, is one way to get us there. Awesome. I would add to what Sarah said about the, um, uh, I would add the word flexibility to that as well. I think adult learners, especially busy people, you know, since everybody taking the course is a professional, you know, working uh, on top of taking the course, um, having the flexibility to choose on each make, they were given those, those choices of, you know, do, do one of three things. Um, and some people chose to do all three, you know, just if they wanted to explore those, um, those three options. But having that flexibility and knowing that it was okay to explore and it was okay to fool around with the technology. It was okay to drop it if it was something that was just, you know, your computer and that program were not compatible, you know, just drop it <laughs> um, and pick another one. And so often in taking other online courses, I would get as a student so hung up on the technology piece and, it, and that's what was frustrating me that I was really willing to like skip certain things or, or um, give up on a certain piece of technology. But because 
that kind of trek up the hill of a learning curve was this course. <laughs> it made me more patient with it. It made me more willing to take the risk and explore, you know, maybe a second option for each of the makes um, that I don't think I would have normally done because I, no I don't normally have that kind of patience with learning new technology. And some of the people in the course um, this summer mentioned that their students don't have that patience. And you always think of young people as being so technologically savvy, but um, many of the educators who are taking this course uh, mentioned that their students resist it. They don't want to learn something new. They don't want to learn a new program sometimes because they, I think they're overwhelmed too with, you know, with each new program that you use or each new online tool, there's, there's a new learning curve to it. So um, in, if it's meaningful and if you allow them that flexibility to make and create and go back and remake because you didn't like what you made, um, just like in the writing project and the writing process, um, that flexibility almost gives people more freedom to take more risks. And then that's where the learning happens. That's awesome. Thank you. And, and no, I, I think, yeah, jump in. I, yeah, just on the flip side of that, um, I think it's interesting that uh, as an educational technology uh, student, um, my background is actually more in technology than it is pedagogy. Uh, up to this point. So I kind of had the opposite experience of where I'm pretty comfortable with the technology for the most part, but I think that this has been a great experience to see, um, you know, new uh, experiments with learning and, and education and action because uh, my personal classroom experience a lot in the past has just been, you know, traditional lecture and so on. And then I'm in this program reading about theories and like all these uh, constructivist thoughts and everything. And I don't actually see too much of it actually take place. So I loved to uh, hear these educators after they uh, work with the different programs and everything, have the Twitter chats and talk about ways they can think of to implement the technology uh, meaningfully in their classroom and all the ideas that they're coming up with now for how they want to use it with their students. I just think it's a it's a great uh, learning opportunity for anyone in this field to see uh, something like this in action and start getting more ideas of what it can be. I think that's a lovely thought. Sarah, did you want to say something? Uh, no. <laughs> I I saw your um, your phone uh, icon come up, so I thought maybe you were going to say something. I was just thinking Oh, I'm sorry. I wish, I wish I had a really deep um, note to end on, but I feel like we've, we've talked about a lot of the pieces um, that, were, that were important and that we hope to, to take forward as well. Yeah, well, we're really excited to learn from you all. And I feel like I was just going to say that I think that, Joe, it's really lovely. Like, you could, like the ways that these, the design and the intentions of these spaces and the ways that we work together are so interconnected so I love that you brought that perspective into and um, I just want to thank you all for sharing this work with us this is really powerful and um, really uh, lovely um, to see emerge um, I wanted to um, encourage people listening to go to the Twitter handle uh, WM MOOC um, because I was browsing that, um, and you can see some of the work there. Um, there's also links to the Google community where you can see more of the work. Um, so it's, uh, I found some of the found poetry and some other um, 
presentations and portfolios just by browsing around. So um, we'll also um, post some of those links along with this show. But thank you all so much for joining us this evening. And um, uh, this has been a broadcast of NWP Radio, and my cat's come to join us. So um, it must be time <laughs> to end. <laughs> Thanks, Christina. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Have a good evening, everyone. Thank you. Great work. And yes, part two, we'll do that once the research is done, okay? <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Okay, great. Bye. All right, You're thank you. To NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. NWP Radio.